Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation. I am on a dork expedition to see some trains. Welcome to Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm here. With Fritz and Leslie and a guy named John Young. This building, I like that there's classical music playing, Fritz. It's very nice. And there's some people from a distance. Hello. Wow. This is, uh, this is huge. How many square feet is this room? Um, what, about 1,800, Jeff? About 1,800. It's, uh, so when he built this house, he built this room on purpose? And said, go for it. Have a giant train set up. Yeah, Hi, I'm Jackie. The, Hi, Jeff. Nice to meet you. We put the uh, footprint of the layout to the architect. And okay. Put a house Fair enough. It. Hi, I'm Jackie. John Young. John? Oh, nice to meet you. Yeah. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Nice to meet you. It's, uh, wow, this is awesome. Thank you. Coat? Yeah, yeah, I'll take a coat off. I'm not above it. You, you want the guy to tour you? here? That's my job. Right? That's it. That's what I want. Let's do it. I'm following you, Jeff. Okay. Here's what we have. We are modeling the Wabash Railroad as it existed in uh, mid, or well, early September 1964. Now, Wabash? Wabash. Okay. Uh, we, is that in Michigan? No, the Wabash. Well, yeah, part of the Wabash is in Michigan. It came into Detroit from the west, and then it continued off into Canada and went all the way over to the Niagara frontier. Okay. Uh, it terminates... Uh, west of us at um, Main Terminal in St. Louis, but it gets as far as Kansas City, and then it's north of there okay. to a great extent. The unique piece of doing the Wabash is the way we like to play the game is we do it using a timetable. We use do it using trainers. Here's our timetable right here. Okay. And uh, we're trying to follow the prototype rules. So that's Which, what, what are the prototype rules? Well... In how the trains interact. We want oh, okay. to have a single track main line. So right. When you have opposing, yeah, like this. Prototype rules. Oh, there you go. The actual original. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. The Norfolk and Western Railway Company. That was the success of the rules. They're identical to the Wabash ones. Yes. Okay. They bought the Wabash, well, they leased forever the Wabash starting October 16th, 1964. Okay. So we're modeling the month before that. Okay. Oh, okay. So. so this is essentially a model. So that's the main line. That's the main line. Okay. We're looking here at Lafayette Junction. Right. This is our main line. Mm -hmm. This is combined of the New York Central and the Nickel Plate Railroads, which were very large railroads in the Midwest, well, New York Central, all through the east. Okay. And then the Monon back here, this whole cluster really existed in 1964 in pretty much this kind of... Uh, in that trust. layout? Yeah. Uh, yeah, in this layout. Similar. Similar. Uh, one exception is this was a three-track main line. Okay. But, and the other big difference is it's about five blocks long okay. in reality. And it descends in height about 100 feet into a river valley. That's difficult to do when we're modeling. We're going to model it and yes. scale it. And, yes. So. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so this is Lafayette Station. Lafayette Station sits here. Okay. Oh, there it is. There oh, it there is. There it is. is it, now, do the model of the building, does it kind of, do you try Re to make it look? It is in the same theme. It is not a replica. Exactly. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, 
All right. What tends to happen with operating layouts is they get the track laid, they get the trains running, then scenery kind of happens when you get the time to do it. Okay, and so the track is more important than the, right. the scenery. Things the moving, and then eventually you start adding things in. Eventually we'll replace that model of Lafayette Depot. So it looks a little more like the real one. Okay. How long how long has the track been laid? How long when did you guys start we building started this? We started in early 1997. Okay. It took us 5 years to get all of this structure created. Um, we were operational, I would say probably in the next year after the operational meeting we could have operating sessions. Right. Um, we actually packed this up and took it to Montreal in 2000 Toronto, and, or, Toronto, Toronto. Excuse me, Toronto. Different no Canadian session. <laughs> In 2003, having only had an operating session of about 45 or 50 minutes or something like that, just to prove to ourselves that we could do it. Okay. And then made believe that we were experts on doing this. <laughs> all sorts of people who came to Toronto for a train show. Wow. So. And when, just you, when they said, how long have you been doing this? We'd say, About 10, 15 minutes yeah. now. <laughs> Did you, uh, so you brought this entire layout? Yeah. 1,800 square feet, you said? Yeah. This is ridiculous. And that's that's now, what's unusual about this. Is there a, a number of layouts in the state of Michigan, surrounding states, that are good size and designed you know, to operate with timetable and train order and you know, play like the real ones? Right. Ours is unusual that we specifically designed it to knock down every couple of years and take out to a major event and set it up in a hotel conference room. In fact, this room is specifically the size of your typical hotel conference room. Oh, okay. And run the thing for a week. Wow. Come to the convention, do all your other convention stuff, then come and play with us when you're tired of everything else. Okay, so the tracks are laid on this thing, and then there are these black knobs. What are they? Oh, they switch the track. Oh, the switches to move the, to, so you can go a different track. Right. And so it's all electrical under here. Yeah. These are, and these are mechanical. Okay, the, the buttons are mechanical. They just right. move the, they physically move the track. Right, you just. Okay. There's. And, all sorts of electronics to do this with. Right. We pick the piece of electronics that work for us, and then everything else we can make mechanical is mechanical. Okay, because so. it's it's easier, or it, it doesn't break as much? Or? Yeah, all the above. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Especially when you have to tear it down every two years. Right. And, and haul it somewhere and set it up again. Wow. And what's, uh, now what are these little Rowstone Corporation Alco fabricating products. That's to let you know where these industries exist. Uh, oh, okay. With this small amount of surface area to work with, you have to pick and choose what structures you actually model Okay. full complexity like that station would be. But this is just a false front here. Right, right. Just as to, to suggest yeah. Yeah. what's happening. Yes. And then, who painted the backdrop with the trees? Uh, that was me. You did some tree painting? Yes, I did a lot of tree painting. You did a lot of... <laughs> They're great. Have you ever seen that show on PBS, The Happy Tree Guy? Remember that guy, The Happy Tree Guy? No, I've Bob never Ross. seen that one. You know, with the big old yellow oh, Bob hair. Ross, yeah. Bob Ross. Okay, he always, we call him Dead Bob around here. Oh, you call him <laughs> Dead Bob? I called him The Happy Tree Guy because my dad used to watch him, oh, and uh, and and then he's like, that guy knows how to paint a tree. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. And yeah. So, yeah. and what what year is this vehicle? Is it a '60s vehicle in an in an effort? Uh, in that actually, that's a '57. It's '57. It could have happened in '64. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, sure, it was still running. Yes. Well, and, Indiana, they weren't buying new cars every year. No. Right. And so, now, the actual model trees that you have up are uh, in autumn colors. Yes. Are they normally in autumn colors, or do you swap it out? Oh no, they'll stay this way because we always do the same month over and over again. Oh. 
It's yeah. based on an actual... Yeah. What month? We run from the day after Labor Day... Okay. ...to the... 16th. ...25th. Um, was it an exciting time? Of October. Well, what it was... No, it was delivered time. It was delivered time. Part of it was when the train, the railroad changed ownership. Okay. And we wanted to model that piece. But doing this part of time... There's industries here. This was a main feeder for the auto industry in the state of Michigan. Okay. Uh, auto parts in, cars back out. We can replicate that because this is coming just when the model year changes. So there's a huge amount of activity going on in that. Okay. It is the fall. You're going through rural Indiana. Mm-hmm. So the, every town has got its grain elevator, and they're busy, busy, busy. So Oh, so there's lots to do, essentially. There's, there's lots, lots to, to model. Right. Okay. That's what that was. makes sense. Okay. Plus the... Plus, the time frame is the equipment uh, is easy to obtain. Uh, oh, to replicate. We're in the transition of phase one, phase two diesels. Okay. Um, All the trains that, that you model are diesel trains? Available. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, there were several reasons for that. Yeah. In fact, uh, the way we did this was backwards in the way a lot of people do it. <laughs> Most people say, oh, I really like such and such a railroad. I want to design a layout to model it. Well, what we did is we decided we want a railroad that operates a particular way. Okay. So we did, we took the, the basic premise of how we wanted to play the game, and then right. we designed the game board around it. Right. Because the, the game itself is to to actually run wh- how it ran. Exactly. Yes. That's that's the task. Yeah, it's it's role-playing operating a railroad. You yeah, have yeah. the engineer, the conductor, you have a dispatcher, you have an operator... So everybody has a job in the in, w- w- when you when you right. essentially play trains, right. which is awesome. Yeah. yeah, and different to this layout also because we planned it to go to these national conventions and basically teach people how to do it. We built this in such a way that we would have two man crews, so you'd have somebody experienced in how to operate and somebody who is less experienced or has no experience at experience all. Experience at all. Who can learn? Or? And yeah, that's why these aisles are big. Yeah. If you go into a normal home model railroad, the aisles are like this. Just one person wide. One person wide because their anticipation is they want to build these beautiful scenes here and beautiful scenes. And they might have five or six people ever come over and do anything with it. But, you know, it's it's tight and restricted. And we knew that wouldn't work for us. So we build everything generous. Okay. Yeah. You know, one of my cousins, uh, Humpar, that's, it was, his name was Humpar. That's a grown-up man name. Uh, Humpar uh, Kation was his name. And he was a train guy, and he had his his house at a, at a model setup. But I have no idea what he was doing. I mean, we just thought, because when you think about trains, you're just like, oh, you, you just want to make a train go. Yeah. You don't think, I'm replicating an actual system and what was happening in, on a certain date. We're really in, like, the one percentile of one percentile in the hobby. Okay. I mean, the vast the, majority of the hobbies, like you just described it, they just want the activity of a train moving. Yeah. And they'll have a four-bay sheet of plywood, and maybe they'll paint something, they'll buy a few buildings, they have a loop or two of track, and that's right. what they want to have. Yeah. And then you get to people who are willing to put in the time to have a bigger home layout that they try to create scenes that really do make sense. Right. And then you have another subgroup on top of them that want the trains to move in a rational manner right? with different systems. And then we're, you know, a subgroup of that. Right, where you're like, I have a specific day in mind. and how Exactly. Many. So if you run a month, the month that, that you're running, is it like 
do you spend eight hours essentially each day? Like, you know, you run the days. It's well, we not real a, time, obviously, we, right? Well, actually, what we do is we run for five hours real time. Okay. We have a clock running that goes three times faster. So okay. that gives us 15 hours of a calendar day that we operate. And wherever we stop, which the last time was 1 p.m. in the afternoon, right? when we start tomorrow, mm-hmm. it's going to be 1 p.m., and we're going to progress beyond there. So 15 hours from that. 15 hours from that. So we'll end up at 4 o'clock a.m. the next day. Okay. So... So, so you speed it up, so it's not completely real time, but it's still incredible. It's pretty time consuming. I mean, it's a full day. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you need that to get done what to, you what right. we do. Right, right. Do you ever have train crashes? Not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, we let's talk. Very hard not to. There yes. we go. And and we've and, had a couple standoffs where we kind of call time out and say, okay, let us consider this. A <laughs> uh, couple things about this is the people come down here that, you know, on their first experience, they know this is a treat. This is not your normal average game. And they treat this whole thing with a lot of respect. Yeah. Uh, as far as people accidentally knocking things off and stuff like that, I think we've had it happen one time in all the sessions we've done. Right. And that's... 15 years of, or more than... Whatever it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, we're getting close to a decade of doing it now. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So... So, yeah. but there, there were no accidents in the time that you were recreating. No. It was not, an accident-free. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, now this, of course, what we're describing here is the way we've done it. There are mm-hmm. other people who try prototype operation, as it's called, and use different different ways of doing it. Right. They might decide that, okay, they meet every Wednesday night. They run for three hours, and it's always going to be the same you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. shift. But we just decided we'd keep the clock running. Okay. So there's many different ways of playing the game as there are people. Yeah. And you decide just how far you want to go into it. Yeah. And the other the other facet of this design is we use an active fiddle yard as opposed to staging. Some, some operations yeah. some operations have a set stage and We're, you run train one, then you run train two, then you run train three, and it goes from point A to point B and point B to point A. We run an active staging yard, so if you fail to pick up a car or if you fail to drop off a car and it winds up at the next city, it's not a disaster. We just say, okay, train tomorrow goes and takes care of it. Okay, so, so just a delay, it's, essentially. It's, like in real time. Starting the day after Labor Day, running up to the day before the merger, um, it's just a continual flow. In the 10 years we've been doing this, we've recycled one time. What's recycled? Went back to September. Oh, had to. to September 3rd. Oh, okay. So you've been essentially doing this, this month and a half for the last, like... 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And, you've, and you've just started again, essentially. Yeah. and that's why the trees don't have to change. <laughs> that's awesome. It makes it a lot easier with as much time as it takes to do scenery. Right. <laughs> you don't exactly. want to spend a lot of time doing it over just because the calendar changed. Exactly. It looks like a, it's a beautiful scenery, though. I mean, I like, I mean, so do you make some of it and buy some of it, or do you buy most of it? Uh all that is the right answer. Um, <laughs> yes. In other words, yes. <laughs> we we actually have some trees in progress. Uh, this is a tree that we created of our own handiwork. Some of these others are commercial purchases. Right. Um, some of them were manufactured. I mean, we can manufacture a tree like that. The, the reality is the one fellow who did 
this scenery here didn't join us today. So. Right. But, uh, but but so how does he, like, how does how do you, I mean, you, I in, can in see make of, buying them, but how do you make them? In the case of this, this is a type of a tree that you can buy at Joann's or something like that. It's, right. It's just a, a weed that they sell commercially. It's a uh, flower arranging. Oh, yeah, like a real. Right. Yeah, it's like it's, a free store or something. Real like uh, material. And then he's just taped it together, painted the whole thing, and then painted this part with a different color. This is the actual. So it's leaf an leaf. actual plant. Plant. So are these down here? This comes out of uh, Sweden. Sweden and Norway and Finland. Yeah, it's okay. just a weed. So they're just a tiny, a little tumbleweed that that you've just got. All right, we're going to do this. So it's an Arctic uh, plant of some sort. Yeah. That they harvest and we buy in bulk. And you just get them at the garden you center. Clean them up. Yeah, you clean them up and then you flock them. And and they don't die anymore? No. Or, no. So you don't have to replace them? Or yeah. Yeah, You okay. will eventually. Okay. I mean, I mean obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's wear and tear and then they'll yeah. dry out and blow away or whatever. Yeah. And then we got some trees down here that were built in another way. This is the I don't think we have any bottle trees or bottle brush trees. This is a plastic structure that okay. we buy. And in this case, we've just cut up little pieces of rope in real fine amounts, sprayed it on there and glued it, and then we flocked it again. There's a commercial, a number of commercial, um, this stuff you're looking at here. Yeah. That's a colored ground-up foam. Oh, okay. And uh, and you just and you just pat it down and, you, and glue it or whatever. Yeah, you, you put a layer. Well, you paint the surface, then you put a layer of glue on, and then you just sprinkle that I on. I like the, 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 the track has that, the it ballast. has that dirt that looks exactly like the dirt next to the tree. It's, it's incredible what the, the detail on this stuff. It's, uh, yeah, all that's left is uh, the, the uh, I grew up next to a railroad track, and uh, the, the taconite trains would go by. Oh, and accidentally, really? Yeah, and then so there'd be taconite all over the place, and my brothers get slingshots, and, you know, they just have... <laughs> That'd make a dandy pellet. It's a really nice pellet, because yeah. they're all even, and it's lovely. Yes, anyway. and heavy. <laughs> yes, and quite heavy, and uh, they used to knock off uh, the tulip heads of the neighbor, who was... <laughs> The mean neighbor. Ah. Right, right. Heaven forfend, it'd be the nice neighbor. Yes. Except for the only reason he was mean is because... Uh, Kids kept back on it? Yeah. It was because the, there were a thousand children that were bothering him mm -hmm. at all times. So it just it made him mean. Yes. That's how you, that's how you create a mean old man. <laughs> so I like I like that there's... Uh, this is uh, more planted. This is like, like sort of a yeah. fallow ground of... Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, yeah. it's just... It's nice. It's one of the things you, you model... Model Indiana, you have to model miles and miles of cornfield. Yep. Alfalfa and, and soybeans and Yeah, I, but I love the detail with the tiny fences and the and the water and all of it. Yeah. All right, well keep showing me. What else is happening? Well, we're the West End is Lafayette. Right. This is a little bit of double track here. When you run through here, these trains go this way, these trains are going that way. Okay. Which changes once you get down here, it goes back to the single track again. The only yard that we have is this little yard here that services this city we're modeling here. It's hard to visualize it as a city, but that's what we have. Right. You know, there's industrial trackage back here and then back down okay. there. Um, we did, as we were creating this, we managed to come up with some track diagrams roughly the right era. Okay. So we tried to condense some of these things directly from that kind of track diagram. Our single biggest business on this railroad it was actually in Lafayette, we're looking at our mock back of it. Right. Anheuser-Busch had a factory there. They did not make beer. What did they make? Yeast. Ah. 
Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't yeah. they? Okay, so they had hundreds of carloads of corn come in there every day. Right. Lots of corn syrup left, lots of citric acid, one boxcar of yeast. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's all they could make is one boxcar of yeast and a thousand pounds of corn syrup. And then luckily, 1967 came and corn syrup went into everything. Yep. <laughs> so. So, so they were ahead of the curve on that. And they that, were. That manufacturing still plant still exists there. It's not owned by Anheuser anymore. I think ADM has it now. Or is it Staley? Staley for a while. Staley. Okay. I think it was Staley when we went down to see it. And so this is all Indiana. This, this is, is still all. The whole layout is Indiana. Okay. So. All right. Outside of Lafayette. 60 yeah. mile stretch outside of Lafayette. Yeah. Okay. 52, 52. Okay, 52 yeah. miles. Yeah. Uh, Fritz was alluding to us doing this backwards mm-hmm. and, and deciding what we wanted it to do. We went hunting for a railroad that was still using timetables in 1964, was still writing train orders in 1964. There weren't a whole lot of them. Why? What did they switch to? Well, when you see a railroad track, you see the signals beside the railroad yeah. track, those lights. Well, that's what they'd gone to. They had gone to a centralized traffic controlling system, um, like CSX, big railroad around here. Yeah. They have one spot in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida, that is full of this equipment, and they control their entire nationwide system from that one place in Jacksonville. And prior to that sort of air traffic control kind of situation, they did what? They did what? They They had schedules? Everybody who worked in a train had a schedule in their pocket for the employees that told them what trains were going to be on the railroad at what times and which one of your trains you were on and what your, where wow. you could be. So they had to sort of plan it themselves? Right. The engineers had to figure it out. The conductors had to work with the engineers and understand what was going to do. And then the next layer on top of that is what we call a train order. And that is just a written document that says, your train doesn't exist in the timetable. We're adding it. Okay. And we're telling you that you have to go here and here, but look out for this other train. Right. Here we go. Train order. So here's the timetable. Everybody gets the timetable. Right, like that. And this tells you when the first class passenger trains run. Okay, and they get priority? You bet they do. Okay. Back in those days, they did. Right. You have to be out of the way at this scheduled time. Right. Then you have... Your train orders, and I've just picked up this uh, arbitrarily, so I don't know exactly what it is. Which but one is which? This happens to be the westbound local. Okay. And he is instructed to run extra from Peru to Tilton. Okay. Which are the two ends of the railroad. And then there's another train that's running extra Tilton to Peru. That's the other way. Okay. And he has to meet him at the town of Logansport, which is over there. Okay. And we've told... And so they have to schedule it so that they meet... The dispatcher has to schedule the meets when you have opposing trains, as opposed to the CTC, which you'd simply come up to a signal that's red and stop and wait until it goes green. Goes green. Oh, because the guy in Jacksonville is telling you. The guy in Jacksonville says, I'm running a train against you. Okay. But here, you... You're given all the information. You give them all the information. So like that, that was better. the that was the first it, it, way it, it, free. That's it, why we do the game that right. Way. <laughs> Oddly enough, yeah, because yeah, it implies that everybody has a brain. Yeah. And, uh, and, <laughs> well, that's, and the, that's the test. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Implication is not always reality. <laughs> Fair then, enough. <laughs> and then once he left his original uh, 
station. Yeah. In route, in this particular case, uh, at the CW Tower, he got another order saying, oh, okay, here's another meet. Okay. At Logan. Oh, it's just and essentially then, as you move along, as you, you move get along, new orders coming through right. saying, and, and here's what's happening then, in the next 100 miles or 12 miles. And then at Logansport, he got another order right. saying, okay, there's another meet. So All he's right. telling them where the thing is. Wow. And then um, you have... I can kind of see why they did it all centrally, because then... then well, it's, always been, cent- it's always been central, but it went out to local operators who were right. in each of these towers. Right. And stuff. Are there... Traditionally, were there a lot of train crashes? No. No. Okay. Cause, so everybody really was good at their job, to some extent. Yeah. yeah. It was life or death. If okay. sitting on a siding somewhere, waiting for another train... Making that decision to go back out onto the main line, move on, was a life or death situation. Yeah. Decision. And uh, so they weren't just picking any Tom, no. Dick, or Harry. No. Was, no. When you look at the 1870s, 1880s, 1890s, the smartest, the best, most athletic, the best people were the, the people who got these jobs. Okay. An engineer, you know, we think back to you know those times, you know, that they, you know, these guys were such heroes and stuff like that. There's a reason they were. Right. I mean, it's because they had to be like sort of mathematically incredibly smart. Right. And they also had to be pretty strong, or well, strong no. too. A lot of endurance because their work days were sixteen hours long. Okay. Plus. But they also had to be the guys who could stay focused on this task continually for that length of time, not make an error. An error was a death. Right. So. Well, you you talk about you you didn't have many crashes, but there's the timetable says right. you have to be out of the way at that time. Well, if I'm sitting here, I have to make a decision. Do I stay here or can I go here? Do I have enough time to make that distance? To move like 16 cars or however many cars they've got. Because that's the other thing is you have to make sure that the entire train is out of the way. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's correct. You're going to want all of the cars out of the way. Yes. So so that there were a lot of... All right. That's fascinating. A lot of decisions. Love that. All right. Next. What's you want to mention this one? What is that one? This is the, these are the cars. Every car has a card. Okay. And you get a, a, a deck. This is your train. Mm-hmm. And the top tells you what it is. Then you have a card for your locomotive. And then you have each of the cars in the train. And this is the way bill. Okay. That tells you what it is. In this particular case, it's an en- it's an empty car, and it's moving uh, west to uh, Danville. Okay. Here we have a load. It's in a refrigerator car, and it's meat coming from our packing plant in um, Logansport. Okay. And each of these is a, a story. Is each each one is. There's more meat. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> what? No, this is the awful. Oh, yes. Um, the non-meat products of the pig. Ah, oh, the extra, uh, all right, yes, the innards? The, the innards. one, the one right. car that nobody liked handling in the real world. <laughs> we, found, we actually modeled a meat packing plant. There was a slaughterhouse for pigs right. next to the Logansport. And I managed to find a guy who was a conductor on the train that used to service that back in the late 60s. Okay. And that car, they treated like nuclear waste. 
no matter right. what the train handling rules were, because as you pick up cars, there's a way you're supposed to handle them in the train, block them. You have to take consideration if it's got gasoline and stuff like that. This car went as far from the engine, as far from the caboose as it could be put in the train. Okay. Because nobody wanted to smell it. Right, because oh, it was foul. Yeah, yes. Oh, yes. Could you imagine being a poor homeowner living next to a siding on the railroad to have that baby stopped by your house every once in a while? Oh, yeah, would, that is unfortunate. Yeah, they would ship the stuff to Chicago where there was a processing plant that used it. It took them three weeks to go from the middle of Indiana into Chicago with this load. Oh, three, three weeks. weeks. That would be pretty puzzling. Yeah, so we're trying to Yeah, yeah. And then uh, this car... It's a hopper car with crushed stone okay. from our quarry. Okay. So an empty car goes to the quarry. It gets loaded with stone, and then it comes out. Yep. Um, but you're given a deck of cars. And, it, yeah. And, and then, how, how many are mostly, like, how many uh, cars are in, in an average kind of train? We try to keep it between 10 and 15 just for control purposes. And is that what they did, pretty much? No. They, of course, have 50, 60. Oh, they have bigger ones. Okay. Yeah. Cause, but you got to do everything to scale. Well, you got to scale. Yeah, yeah. We don't have 52 miles of scale. Yeah, you'd actually. <laughs> we're we're you closer to six miles. I like the look on your face where you're like, I wish I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would that be would pretty be nice. awesome. That yeah. would be pretty nice. Then here's one of our online uh, elevators with a load of corn. Okay. Um, so it would it, they. This train would have picked that car up at the elevator. Right. And now the it's grain elevator, and then heading the to the grain elevator. It's heading west to Decatur, Illinois. To do now, it just goes to a different grain elevator. Well, or? it goes. To, well, it goes to a processing in Staling, in oh, okay. Decatur, where they okay. turn it into cornstarch or cornmeal or, or stayflow or whatever right, product right. they're making that day. Um, and then here's an empty car going to another online elevator. To be loaded. Sure. So this. But I like every that you're Every car out. has a story. Every car has a story, and every train, like you're given a stack of that, and one's the engine, and one's the caboose, and then the rest of them yeah. are the. Yeah. And then there's the caboose. Yeah. So what's the purpose of the caboose? Well, back in the day, that was the office for the conductor. Oh, okay. And so the conductor's paperwork. in charge of the train. Yeah. It's not the engineer. The okay. The boss. Oh, interesting. Okay. And he gets all the paperwork. He. Tells the engineer where he has to stop, what he has to do. He's keeping track of all these waybills, and he's um, okay. keeping a, a tally of what he sets out, what he picks up. And when he gets into a yard, then he hands to the yard master mm -hmm. what's called a wheel report, mm -hmm. which is, okay, here's my train. Okay. So that the switch engine then takes that and says, okay, i got to break it up and in this fashion. Oh, to, so, to break up the actual train to <clears throat> process each of the cars? The cars. Or, okay, fair enough. Yeah. And it's called a wheel report? Yeah. Okay, is. fair enough. In I the like era, it. era, probably ending in the Second World War, the caboose also functions as the dormitory for the train crew when they were away from their home station. They were assigned to the conductor, and it was your home away from Okay. From home. Yeah. It's like like and the over-the-road truck guys have that sort of that yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. bunk in the back. No, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. We had bunks. We had roof, well, ice boxes. We had a stove. Yeah. Um, we had a coal stove that, you know, great. You'd cook on uh, top of that. And, wow. And, yeah. Dude, have you worked in trains? Have I you did. guys? Yes. You worked? I did. <clears throat> What'd you do? I was a brakeman. Okay. And in the 60s? In the 60s. Okay. All right. So on you this stop. Ra on, 
coincidentally, coincidentally on this railroad. On this very railroad. But not this stretch of track. Oh, fair enough. Cool. Do you guys want to fire it up, or what do you want to, or you want to keep showing me? Just keep walking around. There. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, firing up. Oh, uh, doesn't show you much more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. It just makes it go around in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. Which uh. One of the unusual, one of the unusual things about this layout. Yeah. Is uh, as uh, Jeff talked about earlier, was our our staging. The idea behind staging on a model railroad is your staging yard, your staging area. That represents the rest of the world. That's everything you didn't model. Oh, okay. So we've now moved around to the back corner of the layout, and we have this unscenic part of the layout separated by curtains. Yeah, we are the men behind the curtains back Okay, here. all right. Very and, Wizard uh, of Oz. Nobody's allowed so. back here during a session except the people working. Oh, okay. So on this particular railroad, this represents everything west of Lafayette Junction, Indiana, and everything east of Peru, Indiana. Okay. And so we're the ones, uh, those of us who work back here in the Philly Yard are the ones who decide what the trains are going to look like when they come on the railroad, and we're the ones who have to break them down when they come off. Okay. And we set up the cards for all the activities oh, okay. that go on in the layout. And uh, what some people will do is they'll set up a layout they use what's called shotgun staging. You have a bunch of just stub-ended sidings. You put like six or ten trains in there. You run them out one by one. When you've gone through them, your session's done. Okay. Since this is double-ended and we have people actually spending time back here, we sort things in and out during the session so we could run as long as we wanted to. If we wanted to run 14 hour, real hours, we could. We'd probably all drop dead from exhaustion, but we could. Right, because you because you can add more trains because you're doing it exactly. back here while the session is running. Right. Okay. If three more people show up to run than we planned for, well, we can put some extra trains on. Okay. And that makes us a bit more flexible in some other schemes. But again, that's the way we decided to do it. Right, right. And we were lucky enough. We have some people who are willing to come back and do the drudge work behind the scenes and yeah, take is cars it cars off the layout, put them in these. And, and we have boxes. operators willing to work long sessions. Okay. It's uh I mean ours is a five hour session which is probably a little longer than typical. Okay. And it's not as long as some of us work. Some of us will work eight and ten hour sessions and, and really think nothing of. Right, right, because it's fun. Well yeah, it's yeah. fun. And you're into it. Yeah. You, you lose track of real time. You're you're on the timetable and the clock that you're you're looking at and you're just going through the day. And again, because we don't Restage the same day. We, we right. You have a month of days stage, to go through. Stage a month and a half. Yeah. That runs continually. Yeah. Um, it goes as long or as short as. as and it doesn't get boring because it's because it's, it's a month different. and a half because it's, it's a, the whole. Different. We can vary it up. I mean, yeah. We have uh, in our over this month and a half, we have a special move we run towards the end of the schedule. Towards the end of the schedule, where uh, we run a special passenger train from Purdue University in Lafayette up to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Okay. Where it's a special operation where we have to get all the passenger cars in place. Happens to be on a football center. <laughs> happens to be. Yeah. Just happens to be on a football, football center. You get all the cars in place, and that takes about a day and a half to get everything ahead. And like th this is obviously a, a a passenger car, right? Because uh, it has windows. Yes. And uh, it's cool. They're really, I mean, each of these cars have to cost, you know, like, there's there's an investment of money as well as time. And, and you can go anywhere from 5 to $75 on these cars. Oh, fair enough. And you can put incredible amounts of work. I mean, this car here, um, 
the guy who built it, and he cut out each of these individual auto frames, glued them together. He made real auto frames so that they could well, sit in the in the thing. I mean, they look they look like auto frames. Well, they're they're, they're model projections, but right. you have to cut them off the screw. Yeah. In this case, there were eighty of them. He had to he made eighty. <laughs> That's yes. awesome. Well done, That's sir. And is he the guy that isn't here? Uh, no, actually, he's another gentleman by the name of Craig Wilson who's done a lot of nice freight cars for a bunch of people we know. Oh, okay. Oh. And uh, we we've used the services and the skills of a number of people yeah over yeah time i mean did you get to meet a lot of like i mean have you just met like people that you're like this is awesome like because it's like-minded people kind of hanging out and it is, oh, it, is. Well, it, it is and we and we kind of modeled this after some experiences we had on other lands yeah, was, uh, where we a gentleman how to do it it's a gentleman who lives about two mi- two hours west of here who was a professional railroader Mm-hmm. And he's basically turned his home and his property into what I call the carnival of railroading. Because he has a very uh, sizable model railroad in his basement. He worked for the railroad. Right. And he actually, this is where we got the idea to run our railroad this way. Because you go into his basement, you run by the real rules. In fact, he's been known to get quite upset if you violate some of these rules. Because in the real life... I've been fired twice. <laughs> Have you been fired twice? <laughs> he fired himself once. I had to take <laughs> In, in real life, if you, if you violated those rules or other people around it, someone could get hurt or killed. Sure. So you gotta you gotta live you gotta you gotta live by the rules when you're playing the game if you want to play the game right. 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 That makes sense. And uh, so we kind of patterned a lot of that after his railroad. In fact, we used some of the same place names for the features we were designing. Okay. And uh, we kind of dis- described this as being um, the, a similar sort of setup without the risk of getting your ass chewed on if you break a rule. Right, right. <laughs> a little kinder and gentler. <laughs> oh, a little bit. We, we deliberately do this for training. For which one? Training. Oh, for training. Oh, okay. So then, so it is Whereas a little, his, his a little more the, forgiving. This is the graduate exercise. Oh, fair enough. It's uh, the PhD in, yeah. in, in. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know, the thing is, the hobby's kind of close. You know, if you want to do this sort of thing, you have to know somebody to get here to be able to do it. And we recognize that because we were just lucky that, you know, through this Craig Rick Wilson, he mentioned Fritz got to go to this really nice layout, and then he brought more and more of us over there. And then I took my cluster friends over there, and we kind of populated this operating staff now. But if you don't have that connection, how do you ever get in? Whoever vouches for you, whoever invites right. you. And so we built this with the counter idea that we would take all comers. Okay. And that's why we take to the national conventions. We advertise ahead of time we're going to be there as one of the featured games to play when you're there. Yeah. And uh, if you sign up, you, know, you get a chance to run it. You get to, you get to play. Yeah. And, the first and when you say you get to run it, you get to be the engineer? Yeah. You get, each train has an engineer and a person playing conductor. Right. So one guy is running the throttle. The other guy is trying to think through the paperwork and okay. all that sort of stuff. Um, it has two really nice features. Because this is slow-paced, you don't spend your time standing, staring, not having anything to do or anybody to talk to. You have somebody to buddy around with when you're doing it. Okay. It gives you somebody to troubleshoot the ideas, you know, what do we do next, how far right, do we right. have to go with. You know, it, it's a piece of the gamemanship involved in it. Yep. And, you know, it's a much more social event than it is in some of the places we've gone right. to do it. Because they put you out there by yourself. You don't know what the territory is or what the expectations are. Yeah, yeah. 
Fair enough. It's uh, it, it's great. It's because I, you know, I play Dungeons and Dragons, but uh-huh. I just got into it, uh, like several years ago now. But um, I'm a huge uh, you're, fan. You're kind of past the prime age for getting into that. Well, uh, my husband, I was, uh, I married into it, and uh, so he was, he was like, "Well, we're gonna play. You're gonna love it." And I'm like, "Am I? Am I gonna love it?" And I do love it, and it is really fun. But they're they're five hour, six hour games, yeah. once a month. And it's so it's sort of like this, and he wants to make sure everybody has it. Like he's a huge fan, he's a he's a proselytizer of the of the game. So he wants people much like yourselves. <laughs> he's like, no, you're gonna love it. It's gonna be fantastic. So you want to make it fun, so that people come back. And so in in the case of D and need to fight somebody and roll the body. And so you guys, you're like somebody has to be able allowed to work the actual train. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that's what's gonna make somebody. Doing paperwork. That, that's the analogy. Yeah. yeah. When we we're at a convention, we do we take this to conventions, and it's open to the convention goers. And one gentleman came in, and he had his wife with him, and uh, you know she's kind of going, all right, being supportive. <laughs> and uh, so she's she's standing around. Well, you don't stand around the layout. We hand you the throttle. Oh yeah. And suddenly she's out there. On board. Yeah, and she was on board by the end of the day. She said, oh, this is neat, you know. This yeah. Is, you know, this is your role play. <laughs> yeah, that's, we that's had, what it is. That's how you sell it. Same operation, same period. We had a fellow there, and he had his two, they were pre-team children with him, and he's trying to run a train with them as his crew and not having a lot of luck at it at the moment. But his wife came in looking for him at this convention. Right. And Jeff being Jeff. He lassoed her to sit down and be his operator. She's the one who recorded the train orders and stuff like that and distributed them around, and he had her trapped doing that for a couple hours. Uh-huh. And she got up and she goes, oh, now I understand why he's coming here to do these sort of things because he was taken off to do these at their home. Right, right. You know. And uh, it turns out she was an air traffic controller. Oh, and that's her job. That was her job. <laughs> so she just, you know, then she got it. She could coordinate what, what yeah. he was seeing in it and what we were doing to... Right, and I bet was. she was pretty good at it too. By she was. yeah, she it was turned out she had a gift. <laughs> but you know, we've had couples show up that I don't believe they ever had a train run around their Christmas tree, right? And do this and really enjoy it and continue on. You know, get more in depth in the hobby. So. Yeah. So, so people go to the train convention not knowing sort of what it is. They're just like, well, let's just go to this. Well, they, they and look at it. They, it's a model railroad convention, so they they have an interest in model railroading. They mm-hmm. come. But it may not be operating. It, it may be the craftsman skills. It may be oh, they just thought it was cool looking, right? Yeah, and they and they come, and that's why we try to introduce them to this aspect of the. I mean, there are the dozens. Hobby. There are dozens of facets to this hobby. Right. There are guys who just uh, really enjoy. Uh, putting in the digital control systems. I mean, we practically have a computer network underneath this layout. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so sending commands out to each locomotive that has a little receiver in it. Okay. So some people enjoy the electrical work. Some people do lavish scenery. Yep. Some people build very fine and detailed uh, freight cars and locomotives and buildings. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can find an aspect and go with it. We decide operations are what we like. That's neat. It's, I mean, it's like a team and, of... Well, it, it is, because we have people that do woodworking, we have people that do electrical, we have people that do the, the electronic stuff, we have people that do the scenery. That's their specialty. They help the rest of us in doing those 
yeah. those pieces. Of yeah, it's social plot. and we're, we're not necessarily the skilled scratch builders. We're happy to go buy a ready-to-run car, right? Put it on the layout and say, okay, this is the right. time period we need for this, and and it's good enough. And the vehicles you need, yeah. Whereas it's... others would spend hours and hours making sure that. Every rivet was in the right place, and oh, right, continuity and 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 making it 1964 for real. Yeah, yeah. There's a fellow in California that's modeling the Yosemite Valley Railroad. Now, this was a little tiny, short line railroad referred referred to. It moved some lumber, it moved some gravel, and that's all it did. And it wasn't very long, but he is modeling one day that he has found documentation on. He is modeling each car and each engine and each train as it moved over that railroad. So when he has an operating session, it's five or six hours long, and all that exists on his layout is exactly what exists on that railroad on that day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is... The, I mean, that's that. That's just that... That's the link That's that what focus. he wanted. Yep. And yeah. that's... I mean, I love the... I love the, the commitment to it. So, neat. What's well, next? Is this... Oh, so this is how you create the... That's Good. how the, that's organized. These are the waybills. Okay. And Jeff goes around um, to get the waybills. The agent. The agent. agent goes it, yeah, it doesn't have to be Jeff. It could be anyone. Oh, yeah. It has to be Jeff. Right? But it's usually Jeff. <laughs> Jeff understands it. <laughs> so, which would mean I should pass this on to him to explain it to you. Well, this is, again, because we use this continual staging, mm-hmm. every day has, has certain trains that are dispatched. Right. But because this is active fiddling, their concept is different every every day. So the agent goes around, and we use, and this is where we differ a little bit from some others. Some others that use this concept use what we call a push system, where the fiddle guy says, well, I want to put one of these and one of these, and yeah, that looks like a good train, I'll send that out. But he could easily overwhelm the siding capacity of an industry if he's not paying attention to what's there. Okay. So we use a pull system where the agent goes out and essentially asks the customers, Okay. What do you need? Okay. So he makes sure that there's enough space on the on the track before he orders a car. Right. So and, it's not overwhelmed. And then then the well, let me get the let me get the other unique feature we have. Jeff maintains easily as much paperwork as any dungeon master. <laughs> <laughs> For reals. And he's, he's, yeah, I mean, he's creating, it's, uh, it's kind of funny that, that part of this game is paperwork. Yes. And, and that's very yeah. off-putting to some people. Right, because you feel like, well, no, why would I want to play collating? Yeah. But, uh, but it's not, I mean, it's it's recreating something. The agent comes out, mm-hmm. and he's got a book that talks about each of the industries here. This is Square D. That building's missing at the moment. This is Woodcrest Manufacturing. That's AMP uh, Warehouse. This is the Wabash Freight House. Mm-hmm. And then also the Team Track. And this is a story of what comes and goes. Right. On each of these. Right. Uh, receives merchandise and ships merchandise. Inbound cars can be loaded for outbound shipments, so it could turn a car. Should see four to six cars per week. Okay. Should have no more than two cars on spot at a time, and the car should be on spot for an average of two days. Okay. So that tells us how long 
they can come in and right, like and how big the trains should be. So uh, once a week, yep, on Sunday when we don't run the local, Mm -hmm. I reload this Mm -hmm. with the number of cars for the week. Okay, and then during the week I come out and say, okay, that's been on for two days. It can pick up, and I'll order a new car to come in, and I pick the car out of the car out of there. Then I put that into a train, which is, this is a train number, 2SB4. Okay, so... It's from St. Louis to Buffalo. Okay. And, um... That's what the S and the B stand for, essentially? That's what the S and the B stand for. Okay. And these cars are Are going to be the concerts. Now, I give this to the fiddle yard, so when the fiddle yard gets ready to uh, stage 2SB4, they get out and they say, okay... I need a box car and a box car and a tank car for anhydrous ammonia and What's anhydrous ammonia? Is that the uh, fluid? It's a fertilizer. Oh, fertilizer. Okay. And um, a refrigerator car. And they're so they pull those. They put and these build in the... them. Then they'll fill the train out with what we call through cars that aren't stopping on this piece of the railroad, but are continuing okay. in the direction. Um, this one's eastbound. Um, okay. Yeah. And then, and then he'll build the car there. He'll attach he'll all the... the train based the, on yeah, the what train. the agent has told them is needed, is needed out here. Okay. So this is a unique feature. On our, yeah, yeah. On our it's, and how often do you guys run a day? Like, run a 15-hour session? Oh, we try to do it once or twice a once or twice a month, you get together and play, essentially. Probably we hit it about ten times a year. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's tough to get the core group all here at once. Yeah, because everybody has lives. And yeah, they it, do. It's and, and Jeff travels a lot for business, so okay. it makes a little you know, awkward at times. So, yes, yeah. it is. You, you've caught him his one day home for December. Excellent. <laughs> I came in from Mexico yesterday and go to Japan tomorrow. So. Wow. Uh what do you do? I break for, I work for okay. a trade association. Oh, okay. So okay, so you travel and, and, and all right. Wow. Mexico and Japan. Fun. So, if you didn't have to do it every month, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's a job. No. Yeah. In, in moving through here, we have gone from the extreme west end of the layout to the extreme east end of the layout. Okay. Peru being the extreme east end. Right. That's where we stand now. Um, 52 miles, essentially, from right. the Lafayette Station. This way. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I just but went when around. You go the other way, mm-hmm. from this point here to where we were standing before, is 400 linear feet. Right. So it's... Right. It's, yeah. yeah. And how long did it take you to build this thing? Well, it took us, what would you say, a little less than a year to decide what we were going to do. Uh, the challenge was... So you did the layout first, obviously. We, yeah, we, we figured out where we were going with it. You know, the basic, the, the operating scheme we wanted to do. Right. The era we could do it in. And that, the early 1960s was dictated, like Jeff was saying before, but what equipment's actually available. Right. There's beautiful models out there, but they don't always work the way you need them to. And you had to have stuff that was bulletproof. Okay. So that was part of what dictated it. And then trying to figure out how you could bundle this all into the room that we knew we'd have right. to make it work. And there's some unconventional things here that we stole from other people. We were at a convention in uh, Wisconsin, 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 
shortly before we got the idea to do this, and there was a N-scale layout. This is HO. N-scale is roughly half the size. So okay. It's much smaller. And these fellows modeled a modular layout, which is a common thing in the hobby now, where you bring, you know, basically a piece of bench work and hook it to other guys' bench work and build a big layout at a show. Okay. But what they did is they put a backdrop down the middle of each of the modules to divide it into this scene and that scene. Oh, and so they could double their yeah. workspace, kind of. Basically, yes. And it segregated what you were seeing across the room when you did that. Okay. Well, we saw that not knowing we needed the idea, but within a year it was like, hey, that, that will work for this. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we worked with a lot of different ways of setting these modules up and different, there's different groups with different ideas of how to do that. And we eventually came up with this kind of big W shape because it seemed to compact the the most we could get into this area. Right. Right. With what we had available. And no, it also, duck, no duck unders? No duck unders. That's a duck under is where you have to get some place oh. for doing this. Oh, right, right. As you get older and fatter, that becomes less and less fun. <laughs> it's a... Uh... That's awesome. So as as we so this is we're the furthest east, you say. Furthest east. So we go back west. Yes. And what do we what 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 do we got? We have got at this point. This is where the CNO Railroad crosses us. Uh, it's called CW Tower. That's an actual place on the railroad. Okay. Uh, it is modeled absolutely imprecisely. Excellent, excellent. Uh, That'll the happen. Information came to us about two years ago. How to improve this? And it's just a matter of whether we rip everything out and put it back in or wow. Do it okay. <laughs> we find out the CW Tower actually needs to be down beyond those two hills. Okay. And then there's a whole lot of trackage that goes with it to make it look right, and we will. Eventually, we'll nuke this and take this signal and move it that way, and then this no longer will be the interchange track with the CNO. Mm-hmm. That's where the, we would set up cars that they would pick up. Right. That will become the nickel plate road, doing the same thing again. So it, you learn, you know. Yeah. There is a uh, oxy or what do I want to say a paradigm of model railroading. If you need one piece of information and mm-hmm. it is pivotal what you're doing, you can't find it until you've made a decision and build it. Right. And then you find out your next door neighbor had it and knew you wanted it all the time. Oh. <laughs> so, and that's pretty much what it was. A guy wrote a book, featured this. He's in my group of friends. Okay. And he asked me to contribute to an article. I wish I saw his core material when he was putting the book together. Because so you were building a stretch of track while that, it was happening. It was influenced by that. So, yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. So, okay. And this is New Waverly. Uh, as we built this, we were working off of prototype documentation from the railroad. We had some timetables. We had some ta- track diagrams. We had some other information. We uh, even came up with the uh, notes that a conductor had made, hand-drawn, um, like where the towns were. Yeah. That would say, this track does this, and this is this track, that is that track. His own stuff. Wow. Yeah, so we had mm-hmm. that. It wasn't quite in our right era, but it was close. You know, yep. This stuff doesn't change instantly overnight. Mm-hmm. We chose 1964. In 1964, between Peru and Logansport, which is the next big town, right. there's one passing sighting. Right. Okay, that makes sense. It was a pretty long one. Yeah. We found out in 1961 they did this major overhaul, and mm-hmm. we discovered this by looking at a 1961 timetable because it had two passenger trains meeting in this town. And we're going, there's no sighting in that town. How do you have two passenger uh-huh. trains meet? Well, what we found out was... <laughs> In an era when the trains were 100 cars long, yeah, between Peru and Logansport, the passing sightings will only hold 40 or 50 cars. Okay, for some reason, and there were three of them. 
Okay. Well, somewhere around 1961 or 1962, they combined two of them end to end and blew this one up. Okay. It's just a piece of it. You know, Fritz was talking about the electronics interest in it and building muscle. There's a whole historian piece of this, too. Right. Where you get to ferret out, why is this this way? What happened here? What's this building look like? You know, do that kind of research. And that that's what I get into, is doing that sort of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So here we have New Waverly. And all that New Waverly is is a post office, a bar, a hardware store, grain elevator. And, yeah, I mean, it yeah. is nothing. It really is nothing. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Yeah. So, that's right. um yeah the history stuff is has got to be fascinating yeah. just because I mean especially when you pick a specific year and you're like well that's what we're gonna do yeah. so everybody's sort of interested in that and then but then there's some people that are more interested in what the land looked like and other people in what the town looked like and some people in what the what the who the people were and we're not obsessive though no 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 my, of my course not just <laughs> yes my wife and I took a weekend vacation to travel line down there and collect soil samples so that as we did scenery <laughs> we would have the soil yes. and brought it home and baked it in the oven and sure. it's now sitting still at home but will one day oh yes oh yeah what's that operations Roadshow, yes. presented right by there. rails on wheels uh rails on wheels.com what's that yes. Well, Rails on Wheels is actually a slightly more conventional model railroad club. Okay. Actually, we founded it in uh, 1988. It was based actually off of a group of about a dozen guys who used to get together and watch uh, Star Trek Next Generation on Saturday nights. Ah, a little Next Trek. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, next door neighbor happened to develop a system to make portable segments of train layouts. And okay. So we all bought into it. And uh, for the last uh, 20 three, almost 24 years, that club has been in existence, and it sets up a layout with a big circle, takes it to train shows, and shows trains to people. Okay. And uh, we all belonged to that group at the time that we founded this operation here. Right. We decided we want to do something a little more focused, something less designed on getting as many trains running around in circles as we could. Right. And that's how we came up with this, part of how we came up with this idea. So this is this was the first group that first sort of this was a splinter or, or came right, on, right, like, right. you were like, oh, I met nine guys that really want to do this well, or whatever. Like Fritz was saying originally, we, we were in the 1% of the 1%. Right. We, we, we were in the less than 10% of that group. Okay. But said, we want to do this, so yeah. we set out to do that. It's awesome. This, this is the track plan that you see. This is the track plan that we're actually following yeah, right we're now? we're standing right we're here. We're standing right here. Oh, Okay. That's up on Somebody list. send me a, 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 a scan of that, and then I'll put that as the image, because that's neat. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Oh, is there a URL? It's a PDF. It's a PDF on the yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll send you the link. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So here you're seeing the single track. This is the operable thing. We're trying to get the sense of going from that town down to this town, and that's... So this is the countryside, essentially. This is the countryside again. That you're like, and we're doing this. You, you are always focused on your train, so you're not supposed to be paying attention to... To the other right. parts of the world. And that's generally, what, you're yeah. not. You're, busy, you're generally busy enough that you're, yes. you're in your own... You're world. living right there. You're right yes. there. Yeah. And we, we take umbrage of people who do this thing. Who yeah. <laughs> are constantly looking underneath yeah. to see. Yeah. Coming 30 miles away. Yes. Because what, what, what do you see when you go down here so when it's running? on the other side. But you can, oh, okay. You can guess whether there's opposing traffic or not. Ah, okay. Yeah. You're All not right. supposed to do that. You're not, no, you're supposed to look at the, the paperwork that you've been right, given right, right, right. and work it that way, right? Okay. Right. Now, we're discussing the passing sightings. And right. In fact, well... 
this is the Danes Keysport area. Each one of those two areas had a passing site at one time. They got supersized into one longer one. Mm-hmm. The industry here sits in the town of Keysport. The siding now is defined by the city of Danes. City being a rough term. These are just locations. Yeah, locations. Well, it does have a berg. Okay. To it, sure, I'm sure there's a. a, a there might be a Three bar. Houses in an there's outhouse, a house. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> there might be a place to get some gas. Right. Uh, and, right. Right. And this is actually the first set of modules we built in this, and there was a lot of experimenting involved in it. Stuff like that, trying to decide what the depths were and the lengths of the sidings and okay. that sort of thing. Um, That's great. Yeah, we have built before, but you know, this is a different thing. You know, trying to judge what would work and what wouldn't, what would give us the yeah, the, yeah, the I scope think of what we wanted to do. It's an ongoing learning experience from in, this in piece ways. of track yes. to the giant, you know, the rest of it. Right. I guess. So, wow, it's so C- pretty. Scenery's growing once again. Yep. And then you come into Logansport. Logansport, obviously, is a real town again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wabash had a very small piece of the industry there. This is There's a river here, and you know, river banks going up here. They had this little sliver of land, a little city yard to service the few industries they had in town and just outside of town. Where Fritz's hand is is the Pennsylvania Railroad main line. Okay. The Pennsylvania Railroad, though, came into this town, and they took the place over. Right. They had hundreds of acres of shops and yards and stuff like that. So, you know, you, you balance. What do you want to model? Do you want to model this? You right. This? <laughs> you want to model the hundred acres of... Yeah. So, All right. So that's what we have here. We then that's move great. on to a uh, bridge that is under construction. Okay. For multiple years. This one? Yes. This railroad bridge? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, crossing the Wabash River. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which is coming right through here. Right. Uh, we do some fancy carpentry once in a while to achieve things. Right. We actually found out that um, at one of our national conventions, when we were in the fiddle yard, there was these storage boxes back to our side here. Mm-hmm. Those used to be underneath the fiddle yard. Okay. And Fritz and Al would be underneath there all the time getting cars to swap out, stuff like that. We got to a national convention, and they gave them these tables that they could set the boxes up behind them. Oh. So we came home, they go... We're not leaning over like that anymore. <laughs> we got to figure out how to be able to do this. Well, yeah, why don't we get a table like people? Yeah, and the <laughs> layout was wider, and okay, they it wouldn't allow them to do that. Right. So we had to figure out a way to neck it all down a little bit. So that's what you get here. Oh, I like it. It's um, do you remember when you were a kid and you'd walk on the railroads? <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is these are all very even. These pie, what are they ties, ties or yes. they're ties yeah it's uh i remember trying to run on the railroad track and the ties were never set equ- equidistant Ooh, no. and uh you end up just tripping and s- sending yourself over the side of the yeah anyway yeah yeah it's a good story i'm going to tell it again later no let's keep going it's on, a, you were on an old spur line you wouldn't have been on the main line yeah. no yeah it was um main lines were all evenly spaced and well manicured. Well manicured and um, busier. Yes. So uh, the railroad trains that I tracks that I was playing by were the less busy ones, <laughs> which was weird. In South Point, Wisconsin, there's a train track that goes right through downtown, and there's not really any sort of like gate or anything. And there's four bars on every street corner in South Point, Wisconsin, which is the small town that I'm from. And um, one of these bars. At least once every five or six years, some drunk would come out of that bar and get hit by a train. And sometimes they would die, and sometimes they would not die. That's a lucky person to get hit by a train and not die. Nice ricochet. 
It's Exactly. Yes, so they were loose enough. Yes. Lafayette Indiana, which is our far west point, when we went down to research there in 99, we got the local paper. And when we got there, we discovered that none of this stuff existed anymore. Okay. To speak of. But they were. You go building, to the library? Huh? The library must have some old oh, yeah, newspapers sure and stuff, some right? Old information. Oh, good. But yeah, I mean, yeah. we, we wanted to touch the real McCoy. Oh, right, right. You wanted to see and it. And the real McCoy was either weed grown or didn't exist or been nuked or Fair paved enough. over. <laughs> what we discovered was they were put, putting a huge investment of money to move the railroad outside of town and move the crown. Oh, okay. The tracks were similar to what you were describing, only this is a major city. Yeah. Trains, tracks went right through the middle of town. You know, built and a hundred cars. Yeah, at a hundred cars at five yeah. miles an hour. Yeah, blocking everything. Uh, they were having eight to twelve fatalities a year in 1999 and before of just what of you just described. Loosey goosey. I'm going to beat the train, train across yeah, the. Oh, yeah. Get caught by a traffic light and you're in the wrong spot. And, and you're know, like, oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they thought that was a good investment. That, yes. Get I that think. stuff outside of town. Yeah. Let's let's move it away from the idiots. Yes. yes and yes. Uh, sadly. So uh, we're modeling climbers here. What's this? That they is look like um, for our um, DSL. Yeah it, yeah, it is a hookup, and uh, this is where our throttles can be plugged in. We got a throttle back here someplace? Okay. We use a throttle that has a radio transmitter receiver in it. Okay. But at some point, you may have to hook up to the base unit. And that's right. what this point It's is. an Ethernet port. Very, exactly. Well, actually, it's a six-position telephone. Okay. Yeah, but the oh, so it's a telephone. Same, same it looks right. like an Ethernet yeah. connector, yeah, but it's same, just a... Same right. style. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And basically, that throttle is just a small com- computer that does nothing but give speed direction commands to the network. Okay. Yes. Then it goes back to a central box and puts those commands. And and how how many feet? How many of these do you have per feet? Like you have them like every thirty feet or something like that, or? Yeah, it's not precise, but. Oh, fair enough. Wherever yeah, they 30, seem to be needed. There's thirty some of them on the layout. Okay, so and, just and in case. And it's basically a backup. We use a radio system. Uh, the same throttles have an infrared feed that okay. we can use instead. Uh, it's redundancy in this case because we go to these national conventions. You don't know what's going to break down on you, so you give yourself as many layers of well, protection as you can, you know, to come back. We could, if need be, operate this by plugging this in. I mean, if the radio system completely was contaminated, and we can right. run like that, but it makes you more stationary. Right. You can't have the comfort of moving with your train. And being, this yeah. particular system, you have 15 seconds from the time you unplug. Oh, okay. So you can plug in again or you lose control. Oh, okay. Unless you're running radio. Yes. Oh, okay. The radio. So the hard, the hard wiring. Yeah, the hard, oh, this hard is fascinating. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's really cool. So this <laughs> is Climbers. It's one of the larger sightings on here, and it has an industry with a feed store and a um, fertilizer. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's yeah. a tank of anhydrous ammonia. Okay, which is the fertilizer tank. Which is fertilizer tank. And um, is there a fueling station on here that you guys mm-hmm. simulate? Oh, obviously, there must be fueling. Yep. Is it is it just at like Lafayette Station and stuff like that? It's at Logansburg. Logansburg. Okay. Cool. And uh, well, this is awesome. What do you what? So what? If people want to get into it, they just sort of if they just Google. Train in their town, right? I mean, if they want to start getting into like train stuff and uh, 
there's national organizations, the National Model Railroad Association. That's the biggest, oldest one. They've been around 76 years now. Okay. Uh, Out of Milwaukee. Yeah. Out of Milwaukee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then there's subgroups into it. The guys who are interested in this, it's a thing called OPSIG, and that has a good web presence. O-P-S-I-G? Yep. OPSIG.org. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are into operating trains prototypically like this with all the permutations we've been discussing. They organize regional get-togethers where they go, they'll find 10 layouts similar to ours here. Okay. And organize guys to come in and just go from one so to you the should, other. Like if you live in Montana or if you live in California or something, there should be at least a couple dozen people that are like, yeah, I yes. enjoy this. Yes, yeah, it the, is. The hot spots uh, tend to be around the Kansas City area, Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit. Oh, sort of like the big train hubs. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. L.A. and San Francisco also have uh, very high presences. Okay. There are also um, the technical um, fields seem to collect this. You know, the Detroit area has, you know, so much industry, so yeah. many mechanical and electrical engineers and stuff like that tend to gravitate to this. I think it's uh, part uh, what they understand, part their personalities because they hide in their basements and they don't get out and socialize a lot. Sure. So you have the You can't believe the parallels between this and Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it's, uh, the, you know what I found is that everybody is exactly the same for whatever they love. Yes. Like the bee lady that I interviewed. She freaking loves bees, and she will talk to you about bees for for days on end. And uh, and you're like, okay, and uh, yep. it's it's pretty awesome. But yep. yeah, it's weird about that. You know how the trains and you would uh, came from the coasts, and then they would uh, uh, turn around and go back out to the coast from Chicago, yes. right? And um, that I guess is uh, is how Milwaukee's uh, beer industry, uh, because all the all the what uh, after the Great Chicago Fire, all the breweries in Chicago burned down, and so they had to send to Milwaukee for beer, ah. and so that's how what st- stocked uh, the trains uh, for a couple of months, and it built up the Milwaukee beer industry. Ah. I have several fun facts about Milwaukee, Wisconsin, <laughs> and uh, that's well, one of them. <laughs> you know, I was curious why Milwaukee grew into that single industry. It doesn't seem like a normal thing for there's it. All of the Germans. There's a lot of Germans well, that there. Helps too. It helps, but but the other weird thing is that the, the like half of the um, the Politburo. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Uh, half of the like the city council is German, and the other half is Irish. In the turn of the century, the 19 hundreds and so they were building up milwaukee at the time and it was either going to turn into a tiny dublin or a tiny munich and uh all the people on the on the city council are civil war veterans and they there's a big reunion of the irish uh civil war veterans down in chicago so all these prominent families including half of this a lot of the guys from the 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 city council get on a boat with their wives and to go down to Chicago for this big civil war reunion and the boat sinks. <laughs> and so what happens is, is the city council is then enormously German. And so if you ever go to Milwaukee, if you've ever been to Munich and you might've been, uh, Milwaukee looks like, like a Disneyland to scale version of Munich. It's just like the, 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 the courthouse, <laughs> everything like Notre Dame. Yeah. It's all, there's a couple of uh, homages to Ireland, but uh, it's mostly mostly German. Yes. That's the other story I know. That's both of them right there. What do the submarine cost the Germans? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
your average submarine. No. <laughs> I got a. So this is awesome. I like uh, I like the I like the countryside a lot for some reason. It's it's uh, and then I like that there's there's places where you can pull over and yeah. you know get the heck out of the way yeah. if things are happening. In this case, this is an industrial siding here. There is in real life a very well, not huge dairy, but a dairy operation here. Okay. That worked, you know, through the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Well, now this is out of business, but they still use this track for oh, for yeah. whatever local business is there. Cool. But, you know, it just, you know, this is Fritz's handiwork here. Yeah. He is one of those real nice detail modelers. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What, no, what did, so what did you do, Fritz? Well, basically, I, I figured out how I wanted to lay out the town. I built all the structures and mostly on my workbench back at my house and uh, brought them over and I tend to get most of my work done in that week between Christmas and New Year when the auto industry shuts down. Okay. So I'll come down here for about a solid week of mornings and afternoons and uh, and build some countryside and do some scenery. Exactly. I so like- at 12 feet a year he's got a ways to go. <laughs> That's about how fast it works. Yeah. That makes sense. Once again, once you get the trains running, all other construction work tends to stop. <laughs> well, the key element, again, because it's an operations lab, the key element had to be it has to run. Right. And the scenery is secondary. Right. It's amazing. Well, this has been fascinating, gentlemen. Is there anything, uh, any summation? Anybody want to sum anything up? Because this is pretty awesome. Well, we do... Uh, as your husband pulled you into Dungeons and Dragons, uh, we had a weekend session one time that we were short bodies. Now, right. I used to come down here on Sundays and I'd play trains. I'd be gone all day and I'd come poking home by 8 o'clock at night after leaving at 9 in the morning. Right. So this particular time, knowing we're short bodies, I invited my wife along, who you got to meet a moment ago. Sure. And uh, we're coming down here and she would... Normally, Jeff dispatches at that desk over there and I'm the operator. I record the train orders and distribute them. And I was thinking, Cindy can do that. Yep. So we brought her down and I figured this would be her one time. She'd get down here, she'd be bored. Right. It would be <laughs> like taking your wife deer hunting. Right. You get in the woods, it's cold, there's no place to go potty. And she's a good sport about it, but she's done. Now, yeah, she's done. She'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And then you shoot a deer, and of course you have to gut it, and all that sort of stuff. That's my anticipation how this day will run. Right. She will now know that I like it, but it's not for her. Right. I made an error. Oh. She also <laughs> You're like, oh, it turns out we're married forever. Yeah. And now you like my thing. Yeah. Okay, and, we'll be playing and, together. Oh, but the other part was she helped me out of my job. So... <laughs> She's like, now I want to do the thing you do. Yeah. So, all so right. now she joins us. She went to the last national convention that we did. And, mm-hmm. and that actually made a difference with that audience, I think, because we picked up a uh, 12-year-old boy at that one. Right. Uh, Richard, yes, is a model railroad operating prodigy. Oh, okay. Um, he joined us, I think, the second session of the week. By the last day we were doing sessions, we were now using him as one of our mentors to go around with the adults who didn't have experience. Okay. Yes. Because he caught on that quick? Oh, yeah. He, I had him, I was a docent to go with his first trip around, and we're in Peru. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for some paperwork to catch up with us. And he's standing there, and he's got those car card waybills in his hands. Right. 
and he's looking at them and working through and he looks at me and goes this is what I'm how I'm going to handle the train okay I'm going to make a cut here I'm going to set this block off over here I'm going to work those industries back there I'm going to do, okay so this kid has never done this before right he has the lingo he has the logic of how it happens right he has the enthusiasm of this is what I'm going to do this is going to happen it uh, the funny thing is, it puts him, you know, we've talked percentiles, one, one, one. Yeah. Of the people we've had, right. he's like in the two or three percent that get it, period. Right, right, who can envision it and as well. And he's been there 20 minutes. Right. So, <laughs> yes, he was quite good. We ran into him again when the National Convention was in Milwaukee two years after that. Okay. Uh, not, His parents are psyched well, that uh, now they're... <laughs> yes, they really are. But um, another fellow and I were operating on a home layout. Mm-hmm. And in a lull of a moment, we mm-hmm. hear two of the old guys who've been with this layout for years and years and years squabbling. Okay. They're going back and forth because they're working this big major yard. And the one guy's having trouble understanding how to do something. Mm-hmm. The other guy's going, well, you know, that kid Richard last night didn't have a bit of trouble with that. And he's worked <laughs> with- <laughs> so it has given us a chance really to accomplish what we wanted to do. Yeah. yeah we have got to show this to people who have never had a chance to do do it. We have encouraged people. We have been able to direct them to places that they can continue to do this when we pull out of town and take our toys home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's you got to, we succeeded. Yeah, is what it comes down to. Yeah, and, uh, for sure. We're, we're quite proud of it. I'm in. I'm in. I, there's no reason not to be. This is an amazing thing you've achieved, and I think it's neat that that you're open. You know, I love that. Yeah. That's that's the coolest thing about it is that you're, you know, anybody can come play. Yeah. And you're like, give it a shot. What the heck? You might like it. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks a Basic lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot for uh, for having me. Good morning. Good morning. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?